Howdy, howdy. Welcome to Generation Tech. Ah, we got extra music playing here. Why is that? Ha ha. Did not have that down below. Anyway, welcome to Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker. Uh, this is the show that talks about tech from the perspective of two different generations, occasionally three. Uh, but today we got two. It's me and you. How you doing, Dad? I'm doing fine, Todd. Good to hear your voice. Likewise. Happy uh, as we record uh, November 15th. Yeah. Yeah. Halfway through already. Wonder wonder why time flies so fast. It yeah. seems like hardly hardly got to the 1st of November and now we're at the 15th. I know. It's it's like yeah, we're ha- halfway through the month exactly. <laughs> and you look back and go, "Well, what did I accomplish this last 2 weeks?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, some few things going on in the world. Yes, there are. Always rumors and mm-hmm. stuff like that, you know, but, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, one well, of them that com- comes to mind that kind of got my attention is cause I'm getting up in age is this uh, thing they call digital legacy. And, you know, I've always thought to myself now, It'd be a shame if you just lost everything that I have. Yeah. You know? And uh, so they've at least uh, got a, a means for handing things on between generations. Yeah. In the soon-to-be-released uh, version iOS 15, they will enable their digital legacy program, at they being Apple. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. What they do is they basically generate a key a digital key that you can then share with up to five different people. And uh, presumably you'll talk to these people so they know what this, this thing is they're getting. And it will give them access to your information, contacts, photos, things that you've had. But it only activates if they can verify that you've passed. So they have to verify to Apple by showing them a copy of a death certificate that you're no longer with us. Uh, not you specifically, but anybody. Mm-hmm. And that way then then uh, access to that stuff is still available to people, you know, presuming that you right. don't have a spouse that already knows your passwords and can get into everything anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but uh, anyway, the the assumption there is that you're you're the only one left, you know. Right. So, uh, and uh, so... The, the 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 real question that that came to my mind was you know I'm I'm aware of it but I'm going to have to teach my wife to be aware of it because I'm probably going to go first. Well, you know, yeah, statistically, right? I mean, the, the women tend to outlive men, but it's one of those yeah. things that you look at and you go, yeah, that's my biggest question too. Is how easy is this to set up? I wonder how many just regular non-tech Apple users are even going to be aware of it. If you are aware of it, do you know how to work it? You know. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, I I mentioned it to mom, and she says, "Well, what do I really need to know about it?" I says, "Well, once I, don't I know got yet. a real hand, real <laughs> handle on it, why, maybe I'll tell you." <laughs> yeah, it's like but, I don't know yet because well, it isn't a thing yet, but but eventually it will be. Yep. Yeah. Pro- pro- probably the most valuable thing are just the photos, you know. Right. Now yeah. the problem the problem is is that photos uh, has become uh, maybe fifty percent photos 
as you think of photos for right. me. I, I just enjoy uh, capturing little libraries of images. Uh, oh. I, I, I married my wife a lot uh, uh, and, and learned a lot about art. But over the years, I've become really into lots of the different art forms mm-hmm. that I just like to, to look at. And then just my my interests have always been all over the map in terms of different kinds of things. Like just this morning, uh, there was a thing that says 25 greatest Westerns of all time. Well, mm-hmm. that might not appeal to a lot of people, but when I grew up, 99.9% of every movie I went to was a Western. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a time yeah. when Westerns, and it was a long period of time, when Westerns were huge. I mean, that's why John Wayne was the star that he was. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, and he was sort of the tail end of the Western heroes, right? Of the movie, Western movie heroes. Yeah. Um, so, you know? An- yeah. Anyway, uh, I was pleased to see a number of the, the movies that I had previously seen, but didn't even remember the plot lines of them, you know. But the, as soon as I saw the name and, yeah. you know. Uh, but, you know, in, in that whole thing, there wasn't one Randolph Scott movie mentioned. And I would say that was the majority of the movies that I saw, uh-huh. westerns. And most people don't even know who Randolph Scott was. You know? Yeah. Well, if you're a movie buff, you know him. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's 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 you know those kind of lists. Part of the, part of the fun of a list is arguing whether or not it's right. You know. Sometimes when oh, I yeah. see things like that, like you know the great you know the greatest like recently because it's the 75th anniversary of the NBA, the NBA put out the 75 greatest NBA players. You know, and so I like to look at the list and say, well, who would I take off? Who would I put on? You know, right. Everybody's list is different. That's exactly. That's always the case. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, I, I, I really uh, uh, thought these were pretty neat synopsis because at least of the movies that I saw, I could see, you know, that uh, what they were talking about. Yeah. And and uh, and there's some other Westerns that I know knew the title of and might have gone to him, but I sort of stopped going to movies a long yeah. time ago and just didn't, didn't bother to go out. Right. Uh, but anyway, there, uh, there's always a, had... a recency bias too, with lists. They tend oh, yes. to, you know, the, 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 the more, the, the newer movies get rated higher than the older movies. And it's because you, you can almost judge the age of the people making the list, right? <laughs> you can go like, Oh yeah. You know, these were the movies that were cool when you were a kid. right that's right and i know that happened like with the basketball list you know you know when you when you say a kid even uh, our own uh viewpoint of of everything has sort of decades or some some way to break that down into different interests you know yeah so yeah so yeah no it's 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 not just your childhood memories it's yeah exactly exactly you know and, and you you tend to 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 um, give more weight to things that you experienced and saw or happened during your lifetime than things that happened before, because before is history, you know? And it's like, that doesn't make it any less legitimate. It's just, it's not as as tangible to you because it didn't happen during, you know, you don't remember people in the news or people, in, you know, at the water cooler talking about it, um, you know, and that impresses upon you, you know? Um uh, so, 
you know, it's, it's, it's to go back to the basketball analogy, you know, I mean, it's like there's a lot of people who talk, you know, in, in, in my generation about Magic Johnson being the perfect point guard. But, you know, Bob Cousy was phenomenal, but he was sort of before my time, you know. And so right. you say, well, who was the better guy? Well, I mean, you can go and look at stats and numbers, but they didn't keep track of some of the same, same things even, you know, in the early days of the sport. So, right. you know, you can't even really compare stats realistically. So. But, I, but I was going to say, at least in sports, there's uh, stored numbers and stuff like that, which yeah. do indicate, indicate some level of performance, right? Yeah, yeah. But, they, but in, in a lot of things, there's, there's uh, other reasons that people like these other than the, the, the stats. There was right. some personalities involved, like yeah, you know, you know, Magic Johnson. I mean, he was a personality. Yeah, still and is. Kobe, <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, and Kobe Bryant. You know, yeah, he was just a loved guy. You know, right? Just, yeah, no, uh, you're you're absolutely right. There was a a um, and and that, and that's true. But but does that make them a better player? But you know, because the more modern players, you know, they had more of a personality off the court because of the media that's available to them. You know. Or, yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. it, it's just it's a different. Uh, I mean, you know, in the days of of the of the Boston Celtics, you know, dominance, very often basketball games weren't even on TV. I mean, they just they weren't. Now every game is on television somewhere every single night, every game yeah. in the entire NBA. Yeah. You know, yeah. every game gets recorded, and so you can see if you, even if you miss the game, somebody can play back the highlights for you because they're out there, and yep. and you know. That's part of that mystery and magic of um, of the hundred point game, right? Was that yeah. it was it was never recorded. There was no, it wasn't on television. It just happened one night, kind of out of the blue, you know. Yeah. You know, and well, talk I, about a phenomenal basketball player. You know. Yeah. You know, Will anyway. Chamberlain was stunning. Oh yeah, that, you know, but. But say going outside of sports, even let's say go yeah. back to the movie thing that I have. Mm-hmm. I, I read a little blurb on there, and that's that's kind of the synopsis of the plot, you know, which was was uh, at least the, the shows had a plot. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, amongst the ones that I read, there was one that said it was kind of plotless, but nevertheless was an interesting movie for these other reasons, you know. Yeah. So there's all, all different ways to look at that. Yeah, especially uh, as you got into the 60s and 70s, there was experimental movies even in that genre. And you're like, huh. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, regardless of the plot, again, it's, that's, that might be an, analogous to the numbers in the sports world. But there was, there was also the, the personalities of these actors. They had followings, you know. There were stars for a reason. The John Waynes, who you know, stayed mm-hmm. around for a long time because yeah. people just enjoyed their personality as it came through the the characters. In fact, I always thought that you know John Wayne played. You can name numbers of characters, you know, the different names or whatever, right? But didn't didn't make any difference. It was yeah. still John Wayne. It, it really fact, was. It was the same. <laughs> yeah, John Wayne was not an actor. He was a movie star. That's, right. Know, That's and, right. And 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 there really is a difference. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So anyway, it's it's fun to think about uh, those kinds of things and and uh, it, especially for to go back and reflect on something I haven't thought of in a long time. I just yeah. happened to find this thing on the web and there's all there's all kinds of lists, you know, on the web. And some of them really seem attractive to 
to me and probably yeah. not to others, you know? Yeah, yeah. To bring it back, I know what you mean, though. It's sometimes you, you, you snap pictures of things that you just want to reference, you know? And unfortunately, they don't, you know, they all get dumped into the, here's all of my pictures. And I think most people don't have a habit of, of immediately going and sorting them into, um, into folders so that, you know, they make sense. They just scroll back through their photo list and find things that way. And, you know, it's, they've got a pretty good search on the photo things. You can do a search for things too, especially now because you can literally cut and copy the text. If you take pictures of text or screenshots. Well, 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 that's what I do. I give them titles, you know? Right. And, uh, Usually I just title the front one so that it indicates a general category. And then following that, you know, if you search for, for that thing, then you find a group of things. Like if, if now the, what I just put in this morning, I would just say Westerns or Western. And yeah. then, then the title of the, the film comes, you know. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it's, it's a fun thing to do. And, and I'm, yeah. I'm a collect I'm a collector. I don't know if it's the list you found, but I found a list of 15 best westerns, and uh, I'm scrolling through it, and it's like, oh, okay, you know, there's a couple Clint Eastwood. I I said that John Wayne was sort of the end of the of the uh, cowboy hero movie stars, but I would say Clint Eastwood was probably the, the end oh. of that, you know, because um, although he he diversified uh, early on, that's where he made his name was doing a bunch of you know westerns that he went to italy to make right spaghetti westerns um but then he brought them back here and did them even better and directed a lot of them himself so yeah yeah in fact he just recently released a sort of modern western that was pretty good um but it was definitely a cowboy movie but it was a cowboy movie sort of set in today you know yeah um so I was trying to think as I went through this, what was maybe the last Western that I had ever saw. Mm-hmm. And, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I, I think it was almost pre uh, uh, East. What's what you what's say? Clint Eastwood. Eastwood. Yeah. Clint Eastwood. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure I really saw him in Westerns. So, yeah. You know? Well, the because last, the, 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 the great one you would have seen him in probably would have been like the good, the bad and the ugly, which was 1966. Yeah, that's that's about it. And, and I may have saw that movie and just don't mm-hmm. remember it, you know. Yeah. It's been too long ago. You would remember it because it has that, that whistling some, uh, soundtrack. Oh. That... oh, that's right. You know? Oh, that's the other thing about movies. Yeah. It's really important. Well, and Westerns music. were, yeah, Westerns were, yeah. were phenomenal for having, um, like, Magnificent, Ma- Magnificent Seven, you know, the, the Magnificent, oh. Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Um, you know the the soundtracks for westerns were like standouts in a lot of yeah. them. I I I totally agree with you. I just think there was some wonderful music, uh, and I don't know who mm-hmm. was doing all those music uh, backgrounds at that time, but uh, they did a great job. I, I'm always impressed by the composers of music mm-hmm. back. You know, music yeah. for movies. Elmer Bernstein did the Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a talent. I mean, he yeah. just could do it for no matter what movie. He, yeah. he did everything. And Ennio Morricone made the um, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that, that whistling one. That Yeah. Now, now, now just, just hearing you say that makes me want to go turn go. on my, uh, my Apple Music and 
find find the song, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure you could. You could probably find even a a, a, a playlist somebody put together of like soundtracks to to movie westerns because sure, yeah, they're yeah, they're sure. that iconic. Yeah. So. So. But yeah, the photographs. You know, it's I I I feel like Apple has has work to do on the photograph app because I don't feel like it provides like smart sorting well enough. I think it should do more stuff smart sorting. You know, they've got enough AI in there to help you find things and they should, you know, keep the big bucket, but then you should be able to create some smart folders that work better than they do. And maybe they, maybe I just haven't explored it enough. I'll have to dig into it. But it just seems to me like that stuff is not sorted as well as it could be in terms of trying to find things um, easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and something they really don't understand is what a family is. Apple doesn't seem to understand what a family is. Like, you know, they have family sharing. So, like, if I subscribe to music or or something, I identify everybody in my family so that they can then... Uh, have access to the, my subscriptions, but that's about the extent of it. But they don't understand that when a family goes on a vacation, we all take pictures that we all want to share, and it's a pain to kind of create a shared album that sort of kind of works and sort of syncs its, at its own pace whenever it feels like it. So, like if I take a picture, it it'll sync into the into the shared album if I physically make the effort to go and put it into the shared album after the fact, and it will. Um, sync up within a day so like my family i can't take a picture and have my family automatically see it unless i send it to them and then it's not in their shared albums unless they manually go and put it into their album because it's not it's just their sharing doesn't work right with families you know and it goes further that those air tags that they came out with you can only assign an air tag to an individual account not to a family so I've got air tags on my car keys. So every time my wife takes a car, she gets notification that she's being followed by an air tag. Huh. And she comes to me and goes, "Why is it saying that I'm being followed by an air tag?" So because you have car keys with you. You know, and I could put one set of keys in her name and one set in my name, but we switch cars back and forth fairly regularly. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I want the stupid air tag to be a family air tag. Don't give it to my name. Give it to my family, you know, and treat us all as if we're owners. So if we walk away from it, it should tell you, hey, you just walked away from your air tags. If you're leaving someplace, it warns you and says, hey, you know, you left your keys back in the restaurant or, you know, something. It just seems like they don't really understand how families work, you know. Well, (laughs) air tags, air tags are kind of new, probably won't get them a lot of attention at least very soon but if there's enough complaints that maybe like you you know i don't yeah. have any yet but right but uh i, I bought they, a pack of four they, when they first came out and as they'll modify things as time goes on i think if people just let them know what how they use them you know yeah it, it's such a new concept well but like i, I said it's that. not just the air tags the really it's an overall you know they need somebody at apple to say you know Whoever's in charge of like the family share, maybe there that's the problem. Maybe there's nobody in charge of family sharing. That is a function in and of itself, and it should have you know reach into a variety of different things. If I'm going to identify my family, then you should understand what a family unit is and how they interact and give me some control over that in a lot of areas that right now it doesn't even touch. Mm-hmm. You know, right now it just means I'm sharing some subscription media. That's really all it means. Yeah. 
you know, well. some backup space, you know, yeah. that's basically <laughs> what it is. And the only reason it, that's the case is because, you know, I insisted everybody back up. <laughs> so I here, here's how it works. Sign into yeah. the family. By the by the way, you posted something in the queue about HomeKit is doomed if to fail if Apple doesn't make their own automation hardware. Yeah, I saw the art. I saw that article. I just thought it was interesting. Um, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with the person, but uh, yeah, it was an article um, in uh, Nine to Five Mac, and the uh, premise was that they felt that that HomeKit automation. As long as their Apple is relying on third parties to make devices, that they will all work sort of, but they're kind of flaky, and that the only way to get it to work and be 100% um, is to have Apple do it. And I don't disagree with if Apple does it, everything will work in with tighter, more seamless integration. Um, I have a lot of HomeKit stuff. I, I like HomeKit and, and play with it. I have had some home automation things, and I have over the over the years basically switched everything to HomeKit-based stuff. Um, and some of it uses the the thread uh, radios, uh, which I also have a few of. And some of it's you know Wi-Fi, and some of it's Bluetooth. I mean, it's, it inter, you know uses a variety of different stuff. And yeah. one complaint that I and everybody who uses HomeKit has is when you launch the HomeKit app to turn on something. Uh, Every once in a while, for some unknown reason, it just says, sorry, that device is not reachable. And it's sitting right there, and it's turned on. Hmm. And sometimes you have to go and literally unplug it and then plug it back in, and then it reconnects to the network and then shows up. Sometimes it's like half the house just decides it's not reachable. That's unsettling. And it doesn't happen often. And it ha- happens a lot less than it used to happen, especially as I switch to some thread-based things. Those are much better and more reliable. Uh. You know, um, I think it has to do with polling and Wi-Fi and how many Wi-Fi devices you have hanging off of your router. I think that's really what it has to do with. Quite frankly, I think the answer isn't that Apple has to make all of their own devices. I think Apple needs to reverse course and make their own routers again. I think they need to control the point of access to the Internet for your house. And them saying, we're all about security, but we're not going to build the router, is a huge gaping hole in the security of your home. Because what they're selling, even on their own site, is routers made by uh, Eero, who is Amazon. So great. I'm going to run all my stuff through an Amazon product because, no, Amazon would never, ever look at what I'm going back and forth with and then use that to sell me things. They would never look yeah. at my traffic, you know. I don't, <laughs> and, I, and I'm saying that completely sarcastically, not believing it for a second. So I would, as yeah. much as I've heard great things about the Eero routers, the day they were bought by Amazon, I went, nope, I can't ever buy those now. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, remember, Amazon is the company that said, okay, all of your uh, Echo devices are now going to share your Wi-Fi with your neighbors if their na- yeah. if their yeah. Wi-Fi goes down. That's the day, by the way, I went and unplugged all my Echo devices. And they're now sitting in a box, and I'll either give them away or sell them or throw them away because uh, I don't want them anymore. Um, yeah. You know, so. Just blat- blatantly violate the rules. Yeah, I mean, they essentially, you know, every, every one of us has a contract with our Internet service provider, and it says we're not allowed to share our Wi-Fi for free, you know. Yeah. And now 
you know, I'm sure millions of people are doing exactly that without even knowing it because they don't pay attention to this stuff. But if they listen to us, they know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mean, but you know, I mean, I the, the claim that app, if Apple made it all, it would be better. It would be, you know, probably. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It probably would. It also probably be twice as expensive. You know, I like the fact that the, I, that I have options and and third party options. I hope that they don't cut that off. But I really think, in my opinion, that the the them not controlling your home router, you not having that through Apple anymore, is a a bigger failing. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that then could also then provide the communication to all the devices. It'd be your your communications hub. Yeah. You know, for those who don't know, right now in HomeKit, you have to have a HomeKit hub, which is either a uh, an AirPod Mini. Or an older AirPod, the, the the large one, but if you, they don't sell those anymore, so an AirPod Mini, or um, an Apple TV, the Apple TV device uh-huh. can also act as a HomeKit hub. Uh, or finally, you can use a uh, a uh, iPad, but I think that's a horrible idea because that means you have to have an iPad at home that's at all times and, right. and plugged in. Because if you you know if the battery dies, then all of your home automation dies. So yeah. I think, you know, an iPad as your home hub is a bad idea. Um, you want something that's at home all the time and plugged in. So, it's you know, the HomePod or the Apple TV makes more sense. So yeah. And only the HomePod Mini and the most recent of the Apple, 4, Apple TV 4Ks, because they did an Apple TV 4K a few years ago, and then they updated it about a, six months ago, something like that. So the most mm-hmm. recent versions of those two support the thread radios. So the newest version uh, radios used in the home automation stuff that gives you the the uh, basically a home web um, is is only supported by those two devices. So you need one of those two devices in order to have a thread radio. Boy, there's lots of beeping and booping going on there. From me? Yeah, I assume it's from uh, you. Oh, I saw. I just saw something flip up. A message came in or something. Uh, I guess. So, I heard the boop and then bing bing. <laughs> I, I, I don't generally pay any attention to the phone because this is just a talking thing, and I just have the phone laying here. But yeah, uh, just happened to catch that one. Some beeps and boops. Well, there it did it again. Yeah, and two beeps again. One. Yeah, every notice that comes in, uh, yeah. it drops a little tag down and. Anyway, that's that's what that is. I think you need to set up a uh, what do they call those now um, in Apple? They've got a new name for them. A uh, a focus. You need a focus for recording on Mondays, and you can go in and say what's allowed to happen and not happen, and you can you can. Um, uh, oh, set, just up, set down the notices. Set, yeah. yeah, set down your notifications in your fo- in your in your podcasting focus. That causes us to lose focus. Yes, <laughs> which which doesn't take much. We we go That's off right. on we go off on tangents on on occasion. If anybody has uh, noticed, um, yeah. and, and that occasion would be you know breathing. Um, <laughs> and, so. Anyway, I, I also sent you one that I thought was fascinating, just because I'm a a veteran. Uh, it says veterans use Apple technology to revolutionize trauma medicine. Now I've been aware quite a long time uh in fact i think from the time the ipads first came out that the military especially the army uh was using them in combat situations and i was intrigued by it such that i 
looked it up, and the, the basic drive is when you're in a war or fighting combat situation, uh, time is everything. Right. And so logging uh, uh, became a real critical issue, and so the Army developed a system where they don't spend a lot of time you know, in front of the screen logging, but they put in little codes and it automatically time tags them, you know, so that they know the conditions when this, this, and there's a routine kinds of things that happens in that business, you know, when somebody, right. you know. Well, there's, sta- the- there's standard codes in the medical industry that are used industry-wide, and they tie back to billing. And so, um, uh, you know, not only does it work as tracking, but it also tracks as to what they've done and, and how they've done it so that there's well, different, every procedure and every, every, um, uh, uh indication well, of, an, of an issue all have a code that's already standardized you know across the medical industry okay well that that doesn't take priority in the military operation as it re- really was conceived initially but that's merged into it i'm sure now because a lot of these army medi- uh, medical people have now were now are working in uh it's hospital situations but still trauma care centers you know where right time timing is critical Right. So, well, the the point they, I was just making is I'm just saying that, you know, I mean, obviously, the, yeah. you know, the, the VA is not going to use it for for the billing piece of it, or at least not in the same sense that a commercial hospital would, but that there is a standard um, medical I, I, coding that is used by doctors, and they're trained, you know, they're taught that in, in medical schools. So, sure. um, yeah, so some, it makes perfect sense. And, and tag all this stuff, but the orientation yeah. of this this thing that, that the military had developed has, has now come into all kinds of trauma uh, yeah. center operations to where it's dominant and it saves lives because that's that's what it was developed to do you know uh-huh. uh, some people can be in a real mess out in the battlefield and uh, and uh, they've just over years learned that there's certain things you do at certain critical points and then you've got so much time before you you got to get them yeah. to some place to get some other care or whatever yeah well, they have so, a wealth of history dealing with trauma, and so you know all of that. They putting it into a database that can easily be be um, accessed by somebody in the field. The the software they have is called T six, is the one you're talking about, uh, right. according to the article. And this T six stuff, you know, imagine you say, well, we're seeing this, this, and this, and you put it into the computer, and then the the iPad immediately comes back and says, well, here's the steps you should be taking. You know, it's not telling yep. you what what the what the problem totally is, but they're saying, given what you're seeing, here's the things you need to do right now in order to help this person in the long run, and yep. and so it, you're not relying on you know a a field medical tech to you know remember the steps to go along the way, you know, because they're just human, you know, and they'll remember the things they remember and they'll forget steps they forget. Um, this says here's you know. UCABC, we do one, two, three, which is right. awesome. Just awesome. Yep. So anyway, I, I thought that, uh, first of all, it's really a, a great thing when you when you can learn from the uh, experience side and feed that back into the, the current system to improve it in dramatic ways. Yeah. And that's what this article is about. Uh, it just happens to be that they used Apple devices to do it. So therefore all the software that was developed by the military to make this mm-hmm. system work is, is now uh, been transferred. Uh, if all you gotta do is go buy the devices and a little bit of training for the person, the, yeah. the people involved and stick them in a ruggedized uh, container, right? Cause <laughs> right. <laughs> so your iPad doesn't get bashed up while you're running around. 
out but that, in the field that's how somewhere. Technology, re- that's how really good technology develops. Yeah. Come, I mean, when it comes right down to it, it's, it's experiential mm. in the sense that somebody finds a thing that works and therefore uh, the, the, the more you can get people to use that. Right. Yeah, you know. well, and this is, you know, the great thing is, is that this is something that says, okay, you know, it, it's something we, we, we developed and learned out in the field in, you know, military combat, but, you know, there's ERs all over the country that could use this exact same thing to help people, you know, move more quickly at making the right choices initially. And like you said, everything that's very time dependent when somebody's, you know, been traumatically injured. Um uh-huh. You know, and and, uh, you know, I mean, you've got a a daughter, I've got a sister that that, you know, has worked ER, works ER, you know, and Mm -hmm. I I can imagine that she's seen, you know, good outcomes and bad outcomes. And the great thing is, is that, you know, when when somebody comes into the hospital, one of the first things they do is, you know, obviously in trauma, they don't always take the time. But but fairly quickly, they identify who the person is and see if there's a medical history, you know, and they put a band on them so that they can then track them, right? Some kind of a number. Yep. In the mili- military, they've got, you know, dog tags, so you can identify who this person is, which means that you, you can track it all the way through the outcomes and, you know, and you've logged what was done and, and you know, you've, you've not only referred to it as to what to do, but you also log what you're doing and then the software gets better because you see the outcome. And so, you know, over time they can say, hey, when we, we noticed when you do this, things work out better for the patient. So let's start doing this more often, right, when we see these, these particular symptoms. And, yeah. uh, yep. you know, and that's, that's just going to benefit humanity in, in incredible ways, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because, well, I mean, the, the best expert is not going to remember everything that's been done everywhere and at every in every instance right but a piece of software can log all that stuff and then direct you as to hey you know historically this has been the best thing and as a doctor you look at it and you can still say well okay you know it says this but i'm seeing this and my experience tells me i want to do this you can still you know be a doctor it's not like you're now becoming an automaton and anybody can pick up an ipad and, and take over right but yeah. it's just another tool that provides, you know, an expert database to people when they're making split-second decisions. Yep, yep. What, one of the uh, significant benefits of computing generally is this business of communications. And we've seen it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in this instance uh, that we were just talking about. But then it's, it's, uh, it's everywhere that you can transfer that tech. Uh, transfer technology, whatever it is, it's, that all, multiple, all ultimately comes down to how do you communicate with different groups uh, and and uh, be effective at doing it. And one of the things that usually drives the ability to do that is simplicity. The Army had to work with some low-level troops, you know, just about all the young guys that were out there weren't medical, but they had to uh, teach them some some fundamental basic skills because they're the first ones on the scene you know and Mm -hmm. therefore therefore it was obvious that they had to have something that would just be steps like you said one two three Mm -hmm. if you see these symptoms because they're not medical people you know you can't assume that that uh, medical people are instantly on site that's not the case (laughs) right in fact it it could be hours maybe before you you really get to medical people but but the point i'm trying to get to is 
is when you boil a problem down to its ultimate simplicity so that any Joe Blow can learn it quickly and, and effectively implement it, that, that's key to transforming uh, things, and therefore it also makes it uh, something that can be transferred to different groups easily because it's simple. It's simple. Right. Too, too often we try to invent things from the top down and immediately create complex issues mm-hmm. when we shouldn't, you know. Yeah. So bottom bottoms up is a, is a good way to go. I'm I'm going to shift gears here a little bit now because right after I sent that article to you was one on M1 Max. It says is a chip that can transform computing. Well, I said just with its introduction here, it it has already. But then mm-hmm. today today I sent you one that says IBM says quantum chip could be begin to beat standard chips in two years. Now, you'll notice the word standard in there, and if you see the article, what they're referring to is not the M1 chips of today, but prior to that. Yeah. Okay? So, uh, I yeah, think but that quantum the, is, is a fundamentally different um, uh, way of building a chip or way of computing. Yes. That, we, we refer to digital technology because it's made with ones and twos. Mm-hmm. Well, this thing, instead of a bit being on and off, one or two, uh, or zero or one, really. (laughs) But anyway, quantum chips have four states. And so therefore, it's not a digital world anymore. It's a quad, quantum, quad. I I don't know if that fits in that word. But anyway, uh, you've got, yeah, with each each equivalent bit, you basically have 16 different combinations of states that it can be, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. so anyway, uh, it's uh, uh, interesting, and I've been reading about it for years and just had kind of forgotten about it until this article comes up, but I'm thinking that IBM is jumping in the game here to try to say, hey, you don't get in such a uh, fuss over Apple. Hey, we're, we're the good old IBM, and we're going to take, take over the world in another two years or whatever, you know, because yeah. they had their plans to introduce something powerful, and I'm I'm sure they will. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Qubits. Now, what what they don't say is, you know, will those be functional in laptop form, sipping little bits of energy like the, you know, the the ARM-based Macs that that are Apple's chips? Um, You know, they, when you introduce a new technology, it doesn't always directly replace something that's there although it can fairly quickly you know i mean it just depends on 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 how it's developed and and what level of development is so yeah yeah yeah. i think it's good news you know yeah well uh, there's a there's still a place for mainframe type that basically we refer to it as a cloud these days but it's usually uh not made up of one monolithic processor though in the old days when you said mainframe you thought of this one all-powerful processor. Well, today, uh, the power of the M1 chips is that you've got eight processors on the chip, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, or even more than that, depending on which chip you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, multi, multitasking and all of that going on. Yeah. Well, so, they talk about, like, and the, the, they were talking about, you know, that cur- currently qubits are hard to build and require huge cryogenic refrigerators to operate correctly. 
So mm-hmm. it's not a laptop replacement. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, you know, um, it's 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 these are supercomputers as they currently exist. They are room filling computers, and mostly that's cooling and 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 process. You know, not the processing, but it's it's cooling and managing the chip. Uh, but that doesn't mean that that technology won't advance. You know, as long as you have really good communications, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of people conceptually you do all your computing in the cloud. I mean, that's what the uh, right. The uh, uh, Chromebook, I can't think of Chromebook. That's what yeah. the Chromebook is all about. Minimum uh, hardware at the uh, at the end, yeah. because it's basically that that's just a communications device to the cloud. Yeah. Well, and what pe- a lot of people don't realize is like when you're sitting typing on your computer, your processor's basically spending most of its time just waiting for you they're already so much faster than we are that you know right. you know the only time you start using that processing power is when you say okay go off and calculate something for me you know whether it be you know the calculations to to transcode a whole bunch of video or music or compile code you know those are things that take off go off and do things you know when you go and calculate um uh the um Shoot, what is well, it? The, the the Bitcoin type stuff, you know, that uses a lot right. of processing going off and, and, and doing that. And so those kinds of things will benefit greatly from computers that can do that faster. Um, but even the fastest brand new MacBook Pro Max, you know, M1 Pro Max based computers, um, you know, aren't going to. Are, are are way way overkill, or even the the slowest Intel computers are way overkill for you browsing the internet and typing, you know, emails and shooting texts and Instagram posts and Facebook posts. Yeah. I mean, we we've gone way beyond what we need for us to interact with the computers a long time ago. Yep. 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 I mean, we're waiting on internet connections. And and quite frankly, because the computers have gotten so fast, the the writing of a lot of and compiling of a lot of the software has they they made it much more complex and much less uh, streamlined because they don't have to because the hardware is so powerful. And so you know that's why an older computer runs slow is because if you put more modern software on it, it, it doesn't have the horsepower to run the modern operating systems. But but uh, uh, you know I've got an old uh, like early 80s Mac that sits on the desk behind me and I can fire it up and use it to type and and run spreadsheets and it works just as well as my most modern computer for that kind of stuff it really doesn't you know there's not really that much difference well really you know you uh for a lot of things that we could do you can go back to the old 8-bit machines Mm -hmm. I mean that that's what this Mac is yeah it's a Motorola 6800 process oh is that what it was okay. yeah well that's a 16 bitter oh that's true the 16, yeah you're right yeah but nevertheless uh you know what we have today for most people is 64 bits they may not realize that but that's basically yeah. what yeah it, no the big difference between the old computer and the new computer is the old computer had a black and white screen that was nine inch diagonal and the new computer has a 40 inch screen that's 4k color <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's so, the difference but 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 then to the user uh the the modern screen has a jillion more pixels so that makes it much clearer and, and sure uh, you can you can have fast moving objects across the screen that don't oh yeah blur out and all the other yeah. things. so 
there's a lot of stuff that comes with the the, the, the speed as well as the bit. Or, oh yeah, I, I'm not saying that stuff. I would I would trade. I'm just saying that if I just needed to type you know type out emails and and you know uh, do spreadsheets, the computer yeah. of 1985 worked just fine. You know, um, yeah. but that's it. Who who just does that anymore, right? I mean, quite frankly, right. the the browser that's built into the, there wasn't a browser built into that computer. There was a browser eventually available for it, and I've got one on the computer, but it doesn't even display most of the web pages today anymore because the web has advanced so much, and so right. it's 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 functionally useless in that respect. You know, right. Yeah, no, nobody kept developing software for it. <laughs> yeah, well, there's clubs out there, and if I spent time, I could probably go find I'd one find and, and, yeah. and find people. You know, there's always those hobbyist clubs, right, that say, oh, I love my old insert, you know, whatever. Well, and so, nostalgia, too, you know. Just, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's fun for you and I to go back and think of the good old days when we get all excited and go down to a, a tr- little computer Saturday. Uh, yeah, swap meets. Tra- swap meets, yeah. Yeah, in uh, in Orange County, California is where we were. And yeah, some some of these things were along the railroad tracks. I mean, I mean, remember? Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, down by Micro Center. We'd usually yeah. go. We'd go to Micro Center afterwards because it was the biggest computer store in the area, and we just wander through. But uh, but the the swap meet was literally people with easy ups and and folding tables, setting up along the street out by this electronics shop that sponsored it. Yeah, on a Saturday. And it was a it was a fun way to spend a weekend. I mean, we mm-hmm. oh, we'd be gone three or four hours, something like that, sometimes. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, that was my first uh, PC compatible computer. Was I bought the parts and pieces, basically doing that. You know, you'd go down yeah. and you'd buy a motherboard, you'd buy a case and a power supply and a video card and a and a drive controller and then then a hard drive and you know yeah, <laughs> or a floppy that, drive that, initially. That was that was before Radio Shack and Apple and a few of the bigger companies made you know a, an easier to use uh, com- yeah. consolidated machine that, a, that a computer that was already put together. You could buy one, but the IBMs were thousands of dollars, and you could go buy right. the parts and pieces for a few hundred bucks. And That's right. uh, and I think a lot of it was guys who's had family over in Asia, and they would like you know. Uh, get a few off the back of a truck or something, and uh, and ship them over to their cousins who would sell them over here. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> or they yeah. would go to a swap meet there where they could buy you know ten of them for what they were charging for one over here, and they'd ship them over, and everybody in the family would make some money, and you know, because uh, a lot of it seemed a little on the shady side to me. You know, I mean, it wasn't these weren't uh, these were side gigs for most of these people. This wasn't their job. Right. You know, That's selling right. this stuff. They weren't selling it to to any business. They were selling it to the it, hobby market. It, 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 it was like any swap meet even today, you know? Yeah. You know, it's what people have or can find. And, you know, yeah. You know, if you can make a buck, you you buy enough, you go out there and sell them, and you say, well, I had a good day, you know? Yeah. yeah put, put, <laughs> put some money in your pocket. And, and, and for us, it was an adventure to go say, hey, let's see what we can find. What's the newest thing? What's cool? Hey, I read about this. I wonder if they'll have some of them there, you know? Yep. I, re- I remember my my uh, my hard drive was an RLL run length limited hard drive, and I was able to get sixty megabytes on it instead of just talk, forty. Talk about new technology! See, it was just yeah. a little bit of thing. It was how it was an encoded is what he's talking about. Yeah, different different encoding on the on the drive was able to pack in more data, and I had a drive. I bought a drive that was capable of of if you bought the RLL controller instead of the regular controller, you got. <laughs> 
uh, a 50% increase in the amount of space on the drive. And that was huge. 50% yeah. increase. Holy moly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's how also I think a lot of computer clubs got started. There were people interested in this stuff. Go to these swap meets and, and you'd meet other people. And then, then uh, you know, if you had enough people in your area, you start a computer club so you could talk about your latest bargain and yeah. how things worked. And, and so it was... It was kind of an education place as well, too. For people. Oh, yeah. There was a whole bunch of stopping and talking to people. You were at a table looking at something, and then some guy would ask a question, and then you'd get to talking. You'd go, oh, that's a good question. That makes me wonder about X, Y, Z. You know, And then we'd, you'd ask another question, and then you'd all start talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a lot of fun. Fun days. In, in fact, I think, I don't know if it overlapped, but I did teach some basic computer classes in those days at a community mm-hmm. college in San Bernardino. Yeah, and uh, that was uh, exciting because of some of those people that were just curious, they'd come take a class, and mm-hmm. so I could tell them what uh, you know b- basic stuff so they could get started. Right. Uh, yeah, you had like and, a Boolean logic and, class, and yeah, it had a had a lab even so that you could mm-hmm. sit down and create some little circuits with small scale integrated circuits and there was some what they called medium scale and large scale sort of coming out at, mm-hmm. at that time so that you could uh, some build some interesting projects uh little mini processors or registers and memory register memory sets and 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 then how the the real key to putting this all together the glue was the control circuitry and how do you design logic Using AND and OR gates uh, to to switch things and and of course whether you clocked them synchronously with a clock or asynchronously as event driven systems are mm-hmm. so it was just a lot of interesting ideas that uh, people could learn at that class and yeah. and then it wasn't too long after that that the that the college asked me if uh, I guess they had, had demand people wanted to learn Pascal so I. I think I taught the hardware course for a couple semesters and then uh, switched to Pascal. And we had a lot more students there than uh, just the hardware guys. So that was the, the growing demand. So they wanted to, I, I think I cut the hardware class down to one class instead of two. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, as all this grew and the interest in it uh, developed, why it gave people like me an opportunity to share what I knew and uh get other people participating in it. And some people, it was obvious uh, in the class just how much uh, the students were doing on their own. Some people that were really into it could come in and ask some really deep questions. You know, uh, I was, I think a lot of the other students were taken back sometime. Yeah. Whoops. Are you, oh, I got a message up here. Yeah, I'm here. Skype, Skype would like to find and connect to, connect to devices on my network. I'm going to say don't allow. I always say don't allow. It's like, no, you don't need to to see what's on my network and identify who I am by and where I am by looking at everything on my network. That's not required. That's not required for your function. But boy, do a lot of pieces of software ask for it nowadays. They do. Yeah. No, just that's just for me. Yeah. (laughs) Such an annoyance. Yeah. Such an annoyance. I've had a few of them where they word it like, we want to be able to access devices on your network so we can 
and then they insert some explanation and it's like i wonder how many people end up clicking on that and saying sure it's like no you don't yeah. need that i uh you know in the last two sessions i think we've talked about this business of apple uh had kind of indicated that they wanted to scan uh, photos and to identify mm -hmm. child molesters or something like that. And yeah. uh, it's been kind of in the news on and off. I got another one today where somebody, some researchers uh, have uh, said that that isn't even really doable, as they say. And I'm not sure I fully understand it here, but the Mac Daily News, who's been on the attack against Apple, right. sort of a lead, leading the attack, said, anyway, says they quoted a say thing here it says our results shed strong doubt on the robustness of adversarial black box attacks of perceptual hashing based client side scanning as currently proposed so there's uh yeah. I, i'll have to think about this but anyway mac news has, has requoted something out of their report so uh it's, yeah. uh, they're essentially saying that there would be that that they believe that in order for it to work, based on their understanding of where the AI is at this point, that there would be, and they're saying this this seems weird, uh, more than a billion images wrongly flagged each day, yeah, raising and, privacy concerns. And and with ha with hashtags, that's always an issue. There's a statistic that goes with hashtags that say yeah. how well. Yeah, not hash they, not hashtags we, hashes. Hashes, yeah, hashes yeah. Of, of anything. Right. Uh, how how accurate are they, and how many times they right. make mistakes? And and right. The, well, this, and the hashes this, are not controlled by Apple. The hashes are given to them by the government by agency that collects those photos. So that right. so you know so they're not actually sharing the 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 target photos that they that they collect of of child pornography. So right. Apple does you know Apple doesn't see those. They just see a a string of, of numbers that are a hash of that photo and they're yeah, matching this is, that hash. This, this is just a reduced, uh, quantity that's supposedly representative of the whole, right. Of the, uh, of the whole thing and how representative is the real issue here. And they've pretty, pretty much poo pooed, uh, the, the possibility of doing what has been described yeah. as, uh, uh, Apple's approach. So, right. Anyway, we'll have to see. I haven't uh, dug into yeah. that, but I should have questioned that earlier because I was aware of mm -hmm. the general weaknesses of hashes, mm -hmm. and uh, and didn't really question it. But I, uh, that's well. That's and a the good reason the reason it, we didn't question it was, I think, initially you say, well, Apple says we're doing this, so you assume they've had some sort of not breakthrough, but necessarily, but have, have figured out a technology where they believe that they can, um, you know, weed through the noise, essentially. Yeah. Of the, of the, the mis, misdiagn or, or mis flagging or wrongly flagging things. And so, yeah. And, and you know. anyway, anyway, the, uh, uh, what this really amounts to is a filter that's not very effective so that somebody ends up having to go look at pictures, uh, thousands of them in order to have any significant results. You know, yeah. depending on what that number is uh, regarding the uh, how well the hashtag represents the real thing. So anyway, uh, it's important that that be brought up to people that uh, that they understand the, the hash 
yeah process is is not immutable it's it's got its flaws yeah and well it's interesting because you know i mean as you said mac daily news has been barking loudly about this since they first became public and saying you know Apple just say no, don't do this, and, and you know, it's sort of at the end of the article, they put in bold text: "Justice treating every citizen as a criminal is bad governments. Treating every customer as a criminal is bad business." Apple, <laughs> they're like, yeah, you know. Well, but but you got to get the facts straight and bring them out. Exactly. What, what are what's the truth? And that's what's yeah. happening in this article. That's why I thought it was important we yeah. uh, included in the show today. Yeah. Well, and when this first broke and there was a lot of hullabaloo about it, Apple, a few of the Apple um, uh, executives came out and talked about it and basically said, you know, we really, you know, you don't, we, we didn't explain this well. There's actually two or three different proposals that were in this one news release, and we really should have separated them and talked about them each differently because they each do different things and they're handled differently. And if you kind of take them as a whole, people were then uh, assuming that when we said something about one thing that it meant that we would do it about this other thing, and they're not the same thing. And and so they tried to ease people's feelings about that, but I don't think they did a particularly good job even at that. They they kind of they botched the marketing of this completely is what they did. Um, right. And, and they've not clearly explained how this is going to work in their scheme, you know, and how they're going to handle and, and what percentage of, of errors they anticipate, you know, in terms of miscommunication. But I understand that part of it is they don't want to explain in detail what they're doing because if they do, then that yep. might make it easier for people to then to avoid hitting certain um, uh, trigger points. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a dicey thing. But when you're dealing with something like this, I think anytime you're dealing with these kinds of things that are dealing with security and with people's privacy, you need to be as upfront and detailed as possible explaining what you're doing and, and how you're doing it. And, in that, you know, if that means that it's not quite as effective as it would otherwise be, then so be it. You know, yeah. better to have some effectiveness than, than have the end result a whole bunch of people not trusting you anymore. You know? Yeah, yeah. Of course, I say that, and people in our field and people in our background with our backgrounds are aware of this and raising, you know, a lot of complaints. I haven't seen it in any of the of the uh, you know standard news. Yeah, most most people aren't going to even know or care. Right. Well, most most people are just users. They they don't they'll never get into this depth. I mean, we exactly. are being a tech tech show. We we need to bring up some of the things that show up in tech magazines yeah yeah you know but if the if the tech if if technically oriented people complain enough eventually it will you know maybe get picked up by the nightly news somewhere but i mean it's you know a lot you know or on on the um general purpose news you know that most people listen to uh i'm not even sure that people listen sit down and listen to news very much anymore I think they get a, a headline or two from their Facebook page and consider themselves well, educated on a subject and move on. You know, well, life's I, too I, short. I, I think the problem with news is that news itself has a bad name now. It implies politics. Right. Almost, yeah. You know? And therefore, it isn't news. It's just politics. Yeah. And if that's not your cup of tea, you just don't turn it on. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, that's it. That's what I'm saying is, you know, there was a time when people started their day reading their newspaper and they in the evenings 
you know, after dinner, you'd sit and you'd watch the evening news before you watched any entertainment stuff. You'd watch find out what's happening in the world. Now, if you're interested, you might go to one of the news channels uh, or you might, you know, you'll go online. And very often you don't go much beyond just what are the headlines. And right. so there's there's not really any in-depth reporting that's going on or that's getting through to the masses of the people anymore. Uh, and, and the headlines have always been, I mean, it, it historically have been absolutely, you know, inflammatory. The whole purpose of a headline is to get you to read the story. You know, oh, they yeah. don't, it, it doesn't have sometimes anything to do with what's in the story. And that's been that way for years and years. Headlines, yep. you know, they're, they're they're not to they're not headlines are not there to inform you. Headlines are there to get you to read more, read. That's right. <laughs> to stay on that Facebook page, to 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 you know, p- dig to the to the rest of the story in the back of the newspaper so you see some more ads. I mean, that's the headlines. Yeah. That's their job. People don't realize right. it either. Very often, the person who writes the article, well, not even very often, always. In, in professional magazines and newspapers and websites, the person who writes the headline is not the person who writes the article. They have right. people who are trained to do that, that write headlines. So, like, I could write a, a, an in-depth story saying, you know, that, that, that exposes some terrible thing. And the headline writer might go, uh, you know, write, write a headline that, that they think will get people to, to stick to the page that has nothing to do with my story or very little or, or even – implies something the opposite of what my story says and that happens all the time yeah they, they got to be careful though because you know that the, uh, sometimes they're so outlandish that you just immediately know that this is a bunch of baloney and don't yeah. even push the button you know yeah well you go work at the inquirer if you if you're if you're that kind of a headline writer <laughs> right you know aliens yeah. ate my mother <laughs> you know yeah the, yeah that's that's not an easy business uh, being a headline writer that's that's being a clever person, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, I, I also uh, found this article on an Apple car that somebody has drawn. Uh, they said, says Apple car looks way better than Tesla's cyber truck. I but saw that I, too, I, but that's I, not the I, Apple I thought, car. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know where they got the data to have make this drawing or if there's any basis for it. But I basically in my own mind, at least had thought of Apple as not getting into the car business at all. Uh, they they prefer, I think, a uh, uh, something that can really use the uh, uh, no-driver scheme. And, and that focus should not be on cars, because I think that's still 10 to 20 years away, regardless mm-hmm. of what the so-called experts say. Uh, I think the business of automated driving uh, They'll be out in the main roads. I mean, there are already some trucks that are doing it, tr- trucking companies. Uh-huh. And that'll be the focus because that that's what we need right now, given the shortage of supplies to uh, get trucks. But, but of course, mm-hmm. they have the ports that are, are the... Yeah, there's other backup the reasons, problem. not just the, the physical trucks, but the... Uh, the rails to put the the shipping containers onto, you know, you've got a truck but no rails, so you got a driver well, in a truck sitting there drumming their fingers, going, "Well, how do we load this up?" Well, well, the real reason that they want to automate them is because mm-hmm. you can't pay people enough to drive trucks. That's not a good job to be in, uh, especially given the wages that have been paid in the past. And and the yeah. COVID thing has exposed those people to other job options. Right. So well, they're not going back to their truck jobs because they're saying, hell, I found a better job than that, you know. 
Yeah, no, there's actually quite a few people, and they're paying more right now because they need them. But uh, they're also, you know, because they've enforced safety on them now, so they're all now logged and tracked as to where they're going, and they're required to X number of hours stop and park and rest. Um, You know, if you've got an automatic driving system, you don't have to do that. Doesn't have to take a break. Driver doesn't doesn't have to be aware because there there is no driver. Yeah, so, so the, the right right away there's a gain of quite a lot of hours that you can sure. get out of your equipment uh, if you don't have to deal with human needs. Yep. Uh, so anyway, uh, I had that alongside this uh, Foxconn Lordstown Motors thing is here, and mm-hmm. I think they're kind of related. Uh, and but I think that uh, I'd be surprised at least. If Apple first doesn't get into some kind of a, a citywide uh, delivery capability, not necessarily people even. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I think it's one of like transferring stuff uh, around cities. Yeah. It's a big, big business opportunity. City bus and, type uh, things. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's more than that. It's, it's, uh, uh, I think they they got to be a big company with lots of money, which Apple is, so they can get involved in all the necessary connections that you need to make uh, to do things efficiently once you get to your destinations and uh, yeah. you know get stuff on and off the, the trucks and all of that. Yeah. So there's a lot of infrastructure things that are necessary to do the logistics job. Now yeah. that's a business. That's a business that. Uh, 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 Dang it, uh, Amazon is in. I mean, that's yeah. what drove their company. Amazon is a logistics company. Yeah, that so, that delivery that well, and that last mile delivery. And originally, they had outsourced all of that stuff to you know uh, the the post office and FedEx and and UPS and and now virtually everything that they deliver is an Amazon driver. You know, they, right? They've pushed out the last mile. Um, so yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see the Amazon Apple dynamic in this business because I, I think that uh, Apple has seen that there's still existing opportunities there. Yeah, uh, there's lots of different ways to approach that that the using the technology. I mean, that's what you're talking about is how they're going to use the technology. Right. Um, right. They've got to develop the technology, which is what they're doing. Supposedly, what they're doing now. But, you know, back to this 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 car, you know, they said a fan created a 3D render of the rumored car based on a number of published Apple patents of the car, you know, and I've gone to patently Apple as Apple, you know, as, the, as they come out and you see what's there. I just I think this is 90 percent wrong. You know, it, I mean, it's it's not going to look anything like this, you know, based on patents. You can't get an idea of what a design is going to look like on a car. Um you know, and so yeah. I, I mean, they apparently, you know, in the in the 3D model, they they've got it set up so that you know you've got uh, the front uh, seats rotate around so you can then sit and face each other. So it's like you know, you don't well, have so to drive. Big, you know, yeah, that's 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 not as big a deal as they sometimes make it out to be, but it is because you got a moving vehicle. You can't have people walking around. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So seat but, belts and all of that are essential and. Yeah, and how to, you know, but having but, a chair that spins around and looks backward is about the only thing that's that's you know new and exciting right. about what, you know, and, and and other than that, you look at this and you go like, well, what did Apple patent that makes you think that they're going to have like, you know, flush wheels or or that slope of a hood or anything? Nothing, nothing. This is all just made up. 
<laughs> well, well, pro- probably when I see those kinds of things, I say air, uh, the air tunnels, or what are the wind tunnels? Uh-huh. That uh, you know, it's all you'd expect that, right? It's got to be real sleek so that you minimize resistance and all that. Yeah. So this is a very aerodynamic kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, but you know, in the front, I don't see anything that that why even have a grill because you don't have a cooling issue right that i'm aware of although uh, and it catches wind so it's less aerodynamic by putting this thing with holes in right. it up front yeah right yeah so, that's why i said i when i first looked at that i was i without even looking at the picture just leading reading the the uh the things like apple car already looks better than the tesla Cybertruck, and my immediate response was they don't know that they have no idea what it looks like <laughs> yeah you know and 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 this there's not enough information out there with all their patents to to even begin to guess what it looks like. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it mentions bumpers, and I don't even see a bumper on this car. No. In fact, on the front, the leading edge is the headlights. Yeah. Which seems, so, although looks kind of cool, uh, seems it, highly unlikely that the the thing that would actually impact if you if you bump into somebody would be your headlights. Yeah, that's. That's kind of dumb, isn't it? You, yeah. You know, the, the cost of repair of this thing is going to be horrible if you don't have bumpers that yeah. really work. And you have to take it to an Apple repair shop because Apple doesn't let people repair things. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Better buy your Apple Care. Let me say, let me tell you this buy your Apple Care. You will regret it. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, and I see windows all the way around, including the, the top. And yeah. what I've found is that I have a car that's got a lot of window space on it. I mean, it goes closer. So you have sunshine coming yeah. down in the back seat of the car. And so what do you do? You you make it real dark so that people don't have this bright yeah. light. It's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, drive that car in Southern California so, for a day I'm, in the summer and see what it feels like. Holy yeah, I'm moly. Not, I'm not convinced that you want that much window space, Mm-mm. you know. No, in fact, I see those those uh, SUVs and some cars too that have the giant, you know, like panorama glass ceilings, and yeah. and I think you know that is absolutely the wrong thing if you live where I live. You know, I mean, yeah. if you live some other places further further north, maybe even up in the Bay Area, it's not too bad. Um, but you know, which is kind of where Apple's based. But but boy, Southern California, Arizona, Southwest Texas, New Mexico, uh uh-uh. uh. Keep that sun out. Yeah. It's like, no, thank you. Yeah. I do not want a glass roof on my car. Uh, By the way, the w- one thing that I really do like about sun panels is when they cover entire parking lots. So you have shaded parking. Oh, the parking. solar. Yeah. Yeah. You have yeah. shaded parking, and you're making use of that space that yeah. there's no other use for, right? So perfect yeah. place to put solar panels is over parking lots. Yeah, here in Southern California, Southern California Edison has uh, worked with a lot of schools. So uh, almost, I won't say all, but a lot of high schools, um, the parking lot is covered in solar panels to offset yeah. the cost of electricity for the school district. Yeah. And well, so to you, me, that's that's a perfect join uh, mix of two things that you need. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And again, in Southern California, when your summers are, you know, 100 degrees, um, uh being able to park your car in the shade, you know, gives longevity to the interior and also, you know, saves you blistering your hands when you get in your car at the end of the afternoon after the school or to, to grab the steering wheel. Uh, 
you know, if you've never yeah. lived in a in a hot environment, grabbing your steering yeah. wheel, you know, because if it's if it's a hundred out, it's a hundred and thirty in the car. Uh, you know, sitting down on the seat feels like you're sitting on melted plastic, and, and you, the steering wheels burn your hands. It's funny because my family always poo-pooed me wanting to have like leather seats and leather steering wheel, and I said, yeah, but they don't they they don't heat up as much in the sun. <laughs> they do dry out over time, and so you have to well, you know. You know, that Jeep that I just sold, uh, the leather on there actually rotted. Yeah. Uh, because the moisture in it just got cooked. Yeah. That's what happened from being in Southern California. Right. And or, that's that's what I I'm saying is the leather does get worn out, you know, more probably yeah. more quickly than some of the artificial stuff, the plastic. Well, it dries it out and turns black, you know. Yeah. Well, it looks ugly. Yeah. And there, was, and there was no way to change that without a lot of dollars to buy a new steering wheel you know yeah. that's, that's the only fix. well you know what i've gotten and and I, it's on uh both my vehicles now because they both have leather wrap steering wheels and they're old um i found a place where i could buy uh a wheel leather for the diameter and you put it on there and then you stitch it on and it takes you a couple hours or you can have somebody do it if you want to you know pay them to do it um mm-hmm. but uh i just rewrap them in brand new leather and it works great yeah yeah well, I had a stretchable wrap yeah. thing that went over mine for a while, but the, then the thing was so big, it right? Just felt felt bad, you know. Yeah, and and I've done that too, and they never, and I I don't like the the, the rubbery or the you know they just uh, a real leather, and it's it's not a real thick leather, and you can put it on over the bad leather, or you can cut the bad leather off and then put the new one on. You can do it either yeah. way. Um, you know, depending on how thick you want it to be. Um, but th- then you get back to a nice, comfortable steering wheel that's not, like, literally crumbling in your hands. Every time you get out of your car, you have to wipe your hands off because you've got, like, deteriorated bits of leather stuck to your wrists. <laughs> yeah. When you get to that point, it's time to rewrap the steering wheel, let me tell you. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, I look forward to the idea of an Apple car, but just knowing Apple and knowing Apple products, it's probably nothing I would ever buy just because they're going to price it more than I'm willing to spend on a vehicle. Um, oh, yeah. And so, uh, you know, if they do the if they do the thing like you had uh, uh, talked about once before where they don't really sell them, they just, you know, you just type on your app and it comes driving up in front of your house, so you just, you know, lease it for where, to get you to and from wherever you're going on a given day, a la the Uber model. Um, then I think it'd be yeah. cool. Yeah. In fact, see, given my age, I, I sort of thought that when I bought my last car, that it really would be the last car. And I didn't want to buy a new car. And then the next week find out that, man, I can't drive anymore because I'm, my eyes aren't good enough or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, the, the next step for me is to, uh, a transportation service. Right. You know, and I was, I was been kind of cheering that on. Come on, somebody, you know. Yeah, because when you get old, that's that's uh, the best choice. I, I I want somebody to get me there safely. You know. Right. Yeah, and those so, guys with the advent of COVID have been struggling. I mean, the prices have doubled in a lot of places because there aren't very many drivers. Because a lot of them are like, well, I don't really want to have strangers sitting in my car. Yeah. You know, and you can't blame them. And yeah. so, and and a lot of people are going, I don't want to really get in a car with a stranger driving me. You know, so that's yep. where the self-driving thing would be awesome. Yep. So, uh, anyway, uh, it'll make it, but who knows when. 
Yeah. I, I, I'm sure the self-driving thing will make it, but it'll be a long time before it comes down to a, a car level. It's yeah. going to have to prove itself in, in, first of all, the least threatening environments. And uh, those seem to me, first golf of all, carts. <laughs> yeah, that's... Self-driving <laughs> golf carts for the golf course. Well, there's no markings out there. I don't know how the steering thing would get you around. Uh, yeah, you know, they'll embed little there. they'll embed little icons in the ground so that you just uh, you know it'll follow yeah, the track. Little, they they do have golf paths, so that that's yeah. that's a good start. And and you're right, they could put little cue things. Uh, yeah, so uh, that may, you, may, you'll you'll have hey, a wide area a wide area network on the golf course, so the car always knows I, where I, it's at. I got it. I got it, Todd. The secret to Apple's guidance system is tags. Air tags. tags along the golf path. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, they'll, they'll <laughs> Watch just... out, don't run over that air tag. <laughs> yeah. They'll have drones flying by dropping this stuff out all over the place, right? <laughs> yeah. Just blanket anyway, the countryside it, uh, in little beepers. But it's things like that that could bring about, uh, you know, guide, positively guided systems. Uh, then their major thing is to avoid... Uh, be able to stop quickly, not go too fast or whatever, so you don't run over a golfer or yeah. run into somebody's golf cart or something. Yeah. You know, something like that. Anyway, uh, but uh, the, the best thing I was going to say is, is open freeways. Freeways are pretty restricted areas, and mm-hmm. when people come on and go off, those are the hazard points, and you know right where they are from the guidance systems that you have today. Yeah, and so uh, you can be ca- more cautious driving there, slow down or whatever is necessary, mm-hmm. uh, and to stay on the, a highway like that is uh, with without having too many surprises. I'm not saying they, they don't exist because somebody can always come come ripping across the media going the wrong way and oh yeah and do a head on with you. Or some guy, you know, uh, I mean it's it's happened on, on many a time, you know, a a, a human being pedestrian decides to go running across the freeway for whatever reason you know they're being chased or they're you know high on something or mentally ill or whatever you know they're not supposed to be on the freeways in california and yet they come you know some dude comes ripping across and you don't have time to react um you know cars already i mean the the systems already react faster than an individual does you know that a human being does uh that's right you know a lot of cars have the auto braking and and that stuff's built in you know, I mean, so, you know, we, we keep adding more and more automation as we go. The danger is when you get in that spot where you're sort of in between, where the car does sort of a lot and people are tempted to let it take over, but it's not really ready to take over yet. Which Well, that's that's cause, what's causing the problems right now is, yeah. is there's too, too many overconfident people. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I honestly, I don't know how Elon Musk has not gotten his company sued and, and, and legally told he's not allowed to call his system full self-driving mode because it's not it's not full self-driving mode they say it's not but then they continue to call it full self-driving mode it's not what it says and so they've misnamed it and they keep doing it and i don't i you know it just seems to me like that should not be allowed that should just be blocked legally what's going to happen is somebody's going to get killed and they're going to take the people have gotten all the way to well, they're going to take their lawsuit all the way to Elon Musk. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going to pay through the nose. Yeah. Well, what did you hear recently? He's worth like, what, $300 billion based on the value of his stock? 
Yeah. So, so I guess he's he, he can pay pretty much whatever you tell him he has to pay. I saw a headline this morning that uh, he was referring to Bernie Sanders, and he says, "I didn't know you were still around, Bernie." <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and Bernie hasn't answered yet, but that I yeah. thought that was funny. I'm still here. But Bernie loves to, you know, tax the rich and all that. Yeah. 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 He's the richest socialist on the planet. But yeah, yeah. tax the rich. Man owns three homes. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. it all depends on how do you write yeah. the law. If I wrote the tax law that says yeah. if you got three homes, I take away two. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Although, you know, part of it is, I mean, like almost all of our senators and congressmen, he has a home in his home state and then he has a home in Washington, D.C. So that's two yeah, homes. And the third yeah. home is a cabin, a family cabin yeah. that's that he's had in it, that's been in his family for many years. So it's easy to say he has three homes, you know, but when you look at it, you go like, well, it's kind of explainable. I mean, you know, yeah, one, but, one, but, one is a family cabin that's that's been handed down and he has yeah. the house he lives in and then he's got a place in D.C. because he works there you know it's it's not i i would i would be it, it looked it sounds bad for the guy who says he's a socialist right everybody else who works in, in washington probably has a, a similar arrangement but for them it doesn't sound so bad because they're all like yeah no we're capitalists you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the socialist it, it just it, it sounds bad I it's a marketing know, thing I don't know, Todd. It might be find a, a hard to find a capitalist in Washington these days. You know? That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, they're all capitalists. They're all for sale. However much you want to pay them to vote. <laughs> That's, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're the ultimate capitalists. <laughs> That's right. Anyway. Uh, anyway, uh, I think we're getting toward the end. But I've got one more article here that says uh, somebody, uh, Morgan Stanley, says Apple holds the keys to the metaverse. And I think this is written just because uh, of a renaming of, uh, of a company formerly known as Facebook to right. something. Uh, what is it? Meta. Meta. Yeah, Meta. And, uh, and then uh, there was something that Google came out and said about uh, their versatility or well, they, they've been worked. They've been working on AR, VR type of things as well, and so this is really talking about and and the renaming of Meta. The presumption is is that has to do with the quote metaverse, which is you know the the virtual reality yeah, yeah. and 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 uh, yeah. augmented reality stuff, which Facebook has been into pretty deeply. They bought out a company that does a lot of that stuff, and. Uh, you know, and the premise of this is, yeah, none of this stuff's really going to matter until Apple does it and actually does it in a way that makes it palatable for the masses. Because right now, uh, the uh, you know virtual reality gaming and that kind of stuff is not only limited just to gamers, but to a very few gamers. Um, I still read that there's a lot of people who, when they put on like the the uh, uh, virtual reality headsets, tend to get nauseous because you know, your your eyes and your senses are telling you that there's motion that your body's not feeling. And when those two things are out of whack, you tend to get motion sickness pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. So yeah. if you're prone yeah, to that, that <laughs> this may not be a good well, future. Well, well, that makes sense because everything, you know, especially those when they show you a picture of a guy standing up with those goggles on. Yeah. I would say it's it ought to be number one rule is, man, you you'll be seated in a secure place where you can't fall down. But then, then you couldn't play yeah. some of these games. I'm sure they got swords in their hands. And oh, yeah. 
Yeah, you got to be up and move around. Yeah. Yeah. See, so that's inconsistent with the. Uh huh. Well, the, actually, I think that's probably works better because you're up and you're at least you're actually moving with the sense of motion. If you're not moving with the sense of motion, that's when people tend to get car sick or move, motion sickness. Yeah. You know. But. Yeah. You know, well, it's like when you're on a ship and you're inside and the room doesn't look like it's moving, but it is moving. So your body is sensing movement, even though nothing seems to be moving. That's when the 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 motion sickness kind of kicks in. And that's why a lot of people who get car sick want to sit in the front seat because then they can see the motion of the car and the movement of the ground as it approaches. By the way, I, I had one experience with this, and that was when I was retiring, uh, retiring, retiring from TRW, yeah. the company I The real for. retiring, not the... Well, I, the... I, actually, at the time I retired, it wasn't even TRW. They, we had been bought out by... Uh, <laughs> they were meta. <laughs> yeah, some, some another kind Northrop. No, was it Northrop? Well, anyway, another one of those aerospace companies. Yeah, I had I worked for it for three months uh, at the end of my my working days. And uh, anyway, uh, they they proposed a couple of uh, farewell gifts that they wanted to give me something, you know, going away. And I chose one that was basically a video a, a display uh, thing that you put over your eyes. And it was like these virtual reality right. display kind of things in terms of configuration. It puts yeah. you in a, in, a, in a dark room, you know? I used to think those and, ideas where this, you know, the two screens in front of your eyes were cool just because they'd be a neat way to watch, like, uh, television and movies and stuff without actually having a screen in the room. You put the two little screens in front of your eyes, and you can get, you know, 3D. Well, and, and But they, yeah. they never were very good. Uh, they weren't high enough resolution for many years. Well, anyway, I put them on, tried them, I think for maybe an hour, and took them off, and I've never put them on again. I don't even know what the, where they are. Yeah. You know? Uh, and it was because of the, that kind of a problem. Yeah. You, you know, you get, you you really got to sit still, uh, and, uh, and it, it just gave you a really weird feeling, because our, we're visual people, and, you know, you or most of work, what you know about where you are and, and all of that has to do with the visual part. And this totally took away the important things of the reality around you and really put you into a different environment. Right. Uh, yeah, you uh, don't have any peripheral vision. Everything's right in front of you, so you kind of have a yeah. tunnel vision. And then there's yeah. all kinds of movement that and, and, your body isn't this, sensing. Yeah, and the earpieces on this had the speakers in it so that you had the stereo speakers, so if whatever you're watching... Uh, can give you a feeling, a more real feeling of yeah. being a part of that that other environment. So it was very successful at at giving you that that uh, that change in state. Uh, but uh, I I viewed it as uh, something quite uncomfortable. Didn't didn't fit. It didn't work like I I just hadn't thought about that aspect. Right. When I said, yeah, I'll, I'll try that. But it was a total waste of money. I, I think these things cost over $100 at well, least at that sure time. Sure, they did, yeah. And, 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 and then they were the original 640 by whatever, 480. Right, uh, yeah. The resolution was, resolution. by today's standards, not very good. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. So, I, had a pair of, I had a pair of glasses like that, that, or goggles like that, that, you know, and you could watch TV or something. And it was supposed to be the equivalent of an 80-inch screen. 
But, uh, again, the resolution was such that that was the worst 80-inch screen in the world. It's like I never sat, never even watched a full movie. And I put it on and went, oh, that's interesting. And went, eh. Yeah. yeah. I got them for something else, but I used them for that. I don't remember what it was. It was some project for something for work. And so I tried them one time, and I used them and went, eh. Uh, well, <laughs> said gave them to the guy who was working on the project and said, here you go. You know, good luck. I don't think anything ever came of it, but uh, – you know, they do have um, what they call Google Glass, where you can uh, basically just take your phone, which today is even far higher resolution than those old dedicated pieces were, and stick those in a, uh, they even have like little cardboard ones you can do. That's why they, you know, they Google Cardboard. Um, but they've got holders that you put it on, and you can get virtual reality things that way and see things in, you know, stereo 3D vision and things like that. That's kind cool. of interesting. Well, you know, I, I go back to when I was a kid. We used to have Viewmasters. You remember yeah. Viewmasters? Yeah, I think and this is what they're... One as a... Oh, yeah, I had a Viewmaster. And then, this, you know, you can do virtual Viewmasters with these things. And, I, and I have those, a headset. And, and those Viewmasters were marvelous because that 3D effect right. was really good. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. And my folks, my folks had the original Viewmaster, and when they'd go on vacation, it was their habit to look up... A, Viewmaster reels of the things that they had seen. Yeah, and I I used to play with those for hours. I loved it. Yeah, well, there were, there used to be um, at a lot of state parks and things like that in the gift shop. There were they would yep. sell you the little Viewmaster disc that uh, of the of the park, and they were professionally taken photographs. Uh, yep. And yeah, and so you put them in the Viewmaster, and you get these beautiful stereo vision images of of the park, which was very yep. cool. And, 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 you know, vivid colors because the thing is backlit, right? So it's, they were yeah. backlit, beautiful uh, imagery. Uh, yeah, Viewmasters were very cool. And that can, that, that can be very easily duplicated with these, these, you know, with your phone and the little headset, the Google Cardboard or, um, yeah. you know, I don't remember the name of the company that made the one that I've got, but I've got a little plastic one that fits my head better that I can put my phone into. And you can, yeah. you know, if you look around, you can find some, some content that, that, works that way um yeah well you know. anyway i don't i don't know of anybody who's really popularized that idea today uh that's that's been yeah. a real commercial success not at least not to the extent that viewmaster was in, in those and by the way i'm talking real early days when tv was kind of brand new when viewmaster mm -hmm. was in its heyday yeah you know? well we had, if you if you just, remember you they've got in arcades they have those machines that you could like lean down and put your eyes on and then turn the lever and it would flip through pictures that gave you that stereo image i mean those those started well, those back in edison's days you know but yeah, they, they were, were the flip cards yeah 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 they were flip cards or there was also some that were just still stereo stereographic images that gave you that look you know right yeah yep yeah it was so. Interesting technology that gave you some some cool stuff. Yep, and I think back if if somebody were to make any kind of glasses, that that's a thing I would buy them for if they would just duplicate that ViewMaster thing and but but make yeah. it much more make it much more available, you know, just digitally online or you know even con the control aspect of what you see. But I I could still use a screen like that. Uh huh. You know? Yeah, I was just looking to see if Viewmaster had an app on the uh, App Store. I don't see that, but I see uh, an app called Paris VR, and it's basically a walk through Paris 
in the VR mode. So if you have a the Google Cardboard or a screen that you can put your phone in, you can run this app and stick it in there, and it shows you stereo images of, so it works basically like a Viewmaster, of the city of Paris. Huh. I assume they probably have done other cities and stuff, so, too. So, it, so it's a video. It's not a... No, it's still images of... Uh, oh. You know what it might be? It, oh, here it is. Yeah, I'm reading through it. Oh, so it, it's a 360-degree uh, image of the place. So what it is, so it might be video, but it's 360 degrees. So when they went there, they used a 360-degree camera. So you can put this thing on and then turn your head and turn look around. Head. Yeah, wow. so if you're there, you're looking at Paris. Wow. Yeah, I I may well, download this. This is interesting. Although, that sounds neat, and it is for kids who like to turn around, but it isn't very long, and you stop standing up, turning around, and turning your neck. Yeah, no, really I, I, I sit in my office chair that spins. <laughs> yeah. no, no, you don't even need that. I, that's too much trouble. You, you want to flip through it with your thumb and go around in a circle and go left, go right, you know. You, you don't want to control it with your head position. That's not a good idea. Well, if you're sitting on a couch, no. But I happen to sit in an office where I'm in a chair that oh. spins 360. So that's the perfect way for me to do it. <laughs> well, it, it enables it better maybe than other things, but you still aren't going to do that very long. Yeah, you're probably. You're tired. You're going to get dizzy. You're going. Something's going. <laughs> it's not a good user interface. <laughs> I will tell you how it goes next week because <laughs> I'm downloading this app. But 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 all of those things ultimately come down to having a finger thumb drive or something that you can that you can control the movement left, right, up and down. Yeah. See, and that yeah. that's not part of of um, the what they call the Google Cardboard, which is just the, that's this way of, of doing 3D and headsets on the cheap because you're basically just taking a phone and sticking it into a holder that has a couple lenses that allow you to focus on it that close. But today's yeah. phones have such high-quality um, screens that you can do that really well. Yeah. So, yeah, this Paris VR uh, has an average of 4.4 out of 5 stars, uh with uh, well, only twenty nine ratings, so there's not a whole lot of people who've looked at it. But I think that's going to be fun. I, I will play with it and report on it next Monday. Okay, sounds good. Uh, so I'll let you know how it goes. Paris um, VR, Google Cardboard. I see. Okay, is that the only one? It's just the first one I saw. It looked interesting. I'm sure there's other stuff in there. There's other cities. This particular developer does not have other cities in there, so it wasn't like they're a uh, They've created a company to go, like, travel to London and New York and things like that, Tokyo, so you can walk, do virtual walkthroughs of multiple places. And I don't yeah. know how you get from, um, like, the place you're viewing, right? So I'll have to see how that works. Like, if I'm standing looking at one way is the, um, is the uh, you know, the um, uh, Eiffel Tower, you know? Yeah. So now how do I get to where the Louvre is, you know? Do I yeah. just click on something, or uh, or do I have to like virtually walk there? <laughs> you know, and I don't yeah. even know if it's walking distance. I've not been to Paris. <laughs> I don't know how close the Louvre is to the to the Eiffel Tower, uh, and uh, you know. So anyway, well, it's it's interesting that you you can buy ViewMaster virtual reality headsets for fifteen bucks. So you know? yeah. So, uh, 
but that the, uh, if you look at the Paris VR, it's got a little icon that looks like uh, an uh, like a mask, two circles for your eyes, and then a little cutout for your nose. That's a mm-hmm. standard logo that I have seen used in lots of places that indicate that it's an app that runs VR, and so you need to have either Google Cardboard or some sort of thing to put your app, your your phone into, in order to use this. So they've standardized yeah. on that logo. So there, you know, there's people out there making material for it. So um, I I see ViewMaster associated with Mattel now on Mattel website. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. So they probably bought them out. Yeah, ViewMaster still still available though. Oh yeah. 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 He, even Amazon sells the Mattel ViewMaster virtual reality system. Yeah, Walmart so, has a has a twelve ninety nine ViewMaster with a couple discs. Yeah, but it, it r- runs only on Android. Oh, no, this is the original ViewMaster. It comes with the plastic discs with the photos, and it's still available for twelve ninety nine. Nine ninety nine. it blames Farm and Fleet. It's a, yeah. the original ViewMaster with discs and photos. Honestly, for 12 bucks or 13 bucks, it's almost worth saying get one of those just to play with it because they were that cool. Um, uh, you know, yeah. I, I, I would want to see how many... Um, uh, different discs are available you know i mean i yeah that, getting it with the, the default where, discs that came with it yeah yeah that, that's what's going to cost you the money is getting the, the really good discs yeah yeah because it always came with sort of the national geographic version of the disc right so it would be right. uh pictures of uh you know frogs and wolves and things like and you're like that's cool <laughs> but uh you know yeah. yeah, in fact, here the 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 default see, one that I see is uh, title. It's uh, endangered species with the Discovery Channel. So that was the oh, and here's a space yeah. one. That one would be cool. Yeah, yeah, but you can you can tie up a bunch of real money in, for, in short time just buying. Oh the, yeah, the reels. Yeah, the 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 ViewMaster player is like you know ten twelve dollars, but the packages of discs like here's a, a package of discs: Moses and the Ten Commandments in 3D, and it's twenty two dollars. Uh, Batman Forever, thirty dollars. Yeah. That's Lake- that's why that's why ultimately you need a good high res screen thing, and then you can put, you know, any, the pictures uh-huh. then become the cheap part of it, right? Right. Oh, a you walk through Muir them. Woods in Marin County, California. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That would be a beautiful one. Uh, yeah. And no price on that one. Probably because they don't have them in stock. Yellowstone National Park, twenty bucks. Uh, yep. Muir Woods. Ah, 40 bucks. So my guess is a lot of these are like we'd said. You know, if you go visit the place, they probably have them in the gift shop. and yeah. Or you can buy them online. You know, Niagara Falls, 40 bucks. But, yeah, look at that. $40 for a set of images. It's three reels. There's seven pictures on a reel. So that's 21 photos for $40. Yeah. These are not... <laughs> No wonder there aren't a ton of a ton of these. Colorado cliff dwellings, twenty three dollars. Well, see, see, now you're getting to the area where my my folks had probably fifty discs. Yeah, uh, and they were all in Colorado, New Mexico, or Arizona. Yeah, places they visited, right? And when they That's were there, right. they would pick up the discs because right. hey, we can share what we saw with with yeah. friends and family. Oh, and they love to look at them again, too. Yeah, and and like you said, professionally done photos, and especially back then, getting a good photo from, you know, there there weren't really pocket cameras, and, and the pocket cameras that were there were expensive, and you weren't guaranteed to get a good picture. Here, you got a perfect picture with a 3D rendering, 
You know, it's like, yeah, why not? Yep. Yep. Wow. I love the idea, but boy, these are expensive. (laughs) That's right. I I looked into them a few years back and I said, wait a minute, that's, you know, I know how good it is. I I remember hours spent looking at those things. But boy, if you start from square zero. Yeah, $30, $40 a package. You need to go to a garage sale and buy somebody's. Uh, that's that's the way to buy that. That's the way to buy that. You know. Yeah. You know, I'll take all your discs for ten bucks. That's the way yeah. to do it. Just just buy them all. Yeah. Because you you know you could you could blow two hundred three hundred bucks in, Easy. in a jiffy. Easy. Just just sitting here scanning through the first page of stuff. I mean, I haven't even gone to the second page. Everything I talked about was on the first page when I just typed in Viewmaster. And mm. and yeah, I mean, we're talking you know forty. Thirty to forty dollars for a package of twenty-one pictures, basically, and it looks like almost all of them come with three reels. So twenty-one pictures—that seems to be the standard package. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. And that's a chunk of change. You know. Yeah. For what are, admittedly, always beautiful, you know, National Geographic quality photos, um, in stereo but- stereo vision, but. Move, you know, they're not moving. They're stationary. It's like, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I would be. Go ahead. You know, if, once you see them, you you can appreciate that they're really probably mm-hmm. worth that. But you know, it's just it's just expensive. That's all. That's that's the only complaint. Exactly. Well, expensive for what you also you know. I mean, I feel like for what you're getting these days, right? Because um, yeah. Because of the options, I mean, I, I would think that you should be able to get that kind of thing, like I was saying, through the phone. I mean, like there's a National Geographic app that uh, that gives you, you know, a lot of that imagery, but I don't see that they do one. Oh, here's one that's wildlife photography, get behind the scenes video action, but it, it doesn't look like it's uh, set up to do the the 3D. Um, imagery, you know, but I mean, I, 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 I'm going to explore that a little bit more to see what kind of other imagery besides the Paris one that I already downloaded because, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think that would be very cool. And like I said, I've got the little, in addition to the Google cardboard, I, I have just a plastic headset that, that fits my face better and is more comfortable than cardboard that lets me do that. So the 3d stuff is easy to do. I've got the one tool that cost the little headset. I think cost me, you know, twenty bucks on on Amazon. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but I just don't do it that often. But knowing that there's material out there, I've just never really explored it. You know. Yep. So, all right. I think we've finished our show. We've talked about all kinds of stuff, and I will be oh. happy to to report on on uh, on. Google Cardboard style 3D stuff next week. Okay, I'll be anxious right. to hear your your report. I may do yeah. a little research myself. Yeah. Hey, quick quick follow up. You've now had it a week. You liking your Watch Seven? I'm liking it. Yeah, yeah. Finally, uh, uh, getting on a schedule where I can keep it charged. The one thing that I noticed that I hadn't noticed that last week when I was talking about it is uh, the Hours of the day are different sizes. They're like little one-line width 
over right now, starting at mm -hmm. two down around to seven. And mm -hmm. uh, oh, they get fatter I, as it gets closer to the actual time that you're in. Yeah. Right. And I I just really hadn't made you know noticed that very much. And it changes, I guess, by the hour as one gets uh, moves around the, the, yeah. the time of the day. Yeah, I was wondering, like, if it, at 1245, does the one start to swell, or does it just, when it hits one, suddenly get bigger? I don't know, because you have to kind of be watching it at the time. Or, yeah, right as know, the hour changes. Instantly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, it kind of looks like it, it's mimicking like a lens distortion as it goes around so that as it approaches the one, the one should start swelling and getting bigger. And then the 12 should start shrinking a little bit. You know, and as that's, a, that's a good description, lens distortion. It probably has to do with just the optical effect. that gives Right. The, yeah, uh, well, that's what it looks like, that face, that's, that's that new one that they introduced with the 7. That's what it looks yeah. like to me is sort of a lens distortion, like you're looking through... Um, uh, you know, a magnified yeah. like the the glass is bent at the edges, and so, and it is. In fact, I actually think uh -huh. part of part of the effect is actually actually that they're that the crystal is bent around the edges. Well, um, in fact, they they are gradually getting bigger from the real thin ones. So right at mm -hmm. the junction of the fattest one to the thin ones, it's really exaggerated. And then it each one, if you look at it really carefully, uh, in fact, does bring some gain of width to the line i don't right. know how they do that but uh one twelfth of a that line <laughs> yeah hard to say yeah but, well because i mean anyway. i'm looking at the photo on the on their web page for the watch on apple's web page and it shows like like right at 10 o'clock and the width of the one in 10 is wider than both of the ones in 11 because it's mm -hmm. because it's on ten, it's not on eleven yet. Eleven, yeah. But yep. but you've got to assume that if it was ten fifty five, that the ten would be slightly smaller, and that the, the eleven would be swelled up quite a bit larger. Yeah, at some point they have to change them, and I don't know at what time they do it. They probably do it so subtly that you don't see it. Yeah. It it could be as you move through the hours, some algorithm to. Yeah, I, I suspect that's probably what it is. I don't, I, they wouldn't want something to suddenly like click one way, you know. That would be too abrupt, yeah. and they they want to be smooth and and perfect, you know. Yeah. It doesn't you, fit it, Apple's design aesthetic to have it like snap in. Yeah, there's there's an algorithmic way you can do that. Yeah. So as they scan across the number with the hour hand, it probably gradually changes in size. Yeah. See, it's a yeah, For I'm me, sure they have e each minute around the clock adds, you know, is they've broken it down into percentages that changes the, the font that they use as it swells. I'm going to have to try to catch it right before it changes to another hour just right. to see if, if I can notice any difference. Yeah. But you got to sit I, and watch it for a while. Yeah, and, I, and I bet you is, won't. And the problem is, is it keeps dimming on you. You can't sit there and watch it very long. And it's, yeah. Yeah goes away yeah it only stays that oh well you know what if you go to the website um there is a an animation smooth and continuous to the edge of the design it's about half uh, a quarter of the way down the web page where it, they have the watch screen animated and you can see it happening and yeah it's it's just a smooth transition yeah okay so you, there's nothing to see specifically you know it, it happens yeah. so slowly in real time 
that uh but it's funny when it looks like it's um uh you know when it's happening like in the fa- in the animation sped up so that it's going around the cl- you can watch the swell the swell move around the face like a like a wave in a stadium oh really <laughs> yeah yeah it's kind of weird um but, uh... Anyway, uh, yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, it it does hold the charge much longer, and mm-hmm. that's what's nice. It it, uh, it makes it through a day. The only issue then is how long, you know. And I think it charges faster, but I haven't uh-huh. timed it. Uh, right. Well, they said it charges least... faster, but I don't know. Are you using the new charging disc or using the one that you had previously? I'm using the same, the one that I had used previously. Okay, so it might not charge any faster with that one. The new one is a Type C, so it can run more current through it. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I, I better, I better get that out. I just left it in the box. Yeah. yeah. Now they gave you. I don't know. They probably didn't give you the charging brick though. They probably gave you the C cable, but you have to get a Type C charging brick. Now you've got one, right? Because you've got a uh, oh, oh, an original MacBook. Yeah. 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 So it, it's supposed to charge significantly faster when you use that because you can move more current through the Type C connector than you can through the old Type A connector. So yeah, you're, you're right. probably you're probably not seeing uh, it charge any faster. No, no. I've been. You're right. I've been using the old stuff. Yeah. Oh, gone. Losing yeah. one of my advantages here. Exactly. Well, that yeah. Wait, that's one of the things you said you wanted it for because it was going to charge up quicker. Yeah, uh, and then I then I just forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I was just trying to notice it by, you know, yeah. watching it. But Yeah, well, and it might charge somewhat faster just because it's a newer, you know, newer device with newer batteries, too. So yeah. are you leaving it on when you sleep so that it tracks your sleep? Yes. Okay, so that then that, that then is part of the problem with when do you then take it off, right? But if you're doing the quick charge, they say you should be able to, like, just take it off when you're, you know, showering and getting ready in the morning and then and then put it back on and you should be good to go most of the day. Yeah, well, what I, what I need to do is to, Mom and I need to get out of synchronization. Unfortunately, both of us want to charge our watches at the same time. <laughs> but we do have two chargers, but one was, of them is in the back room. So. I was going to say, you, you, they each came with a charger, and your new one's got a charger. You should have plenty of chargers. Yeah, so I'm definitely going to go dig out my other charger right now. Yeah, yeah, before you forget. So, <laughs> so why don't we wrap this up then? Okay. And you can report on your new charger when we next week when I report on the uh, walk through Paris in 3D. So. Okay, Todd. All right. Thanks for joining us on Generation Check. Please check out our other podcasts. We have Two Minute Tech and Two for Brew at the Shack Outback Studio. That's shackoutback.studio. You can go to them live or you can search for them on your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, uh, um, Caster, Outcast, Overcast or uh, on Spotify. We'll see you next week.